welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So glad to be back here with all of you today. Uh, my name is Sinead Barry Lucas, and I am so happy to be here. Um, I am not the lead pastor here. Um, in fact, I'm not on staff at all. So if you don't like me or what I have to say here today, awesome, good news. You can come back in a couple of weeks and you'll get the really good stuff. Okay? Um, I am proud to say that I am connected to Awaken in two very cool ways. The first is that I am the area director for Team World Vision here in the Twin Cities. And Awaken has been partnering with Team World Vision for the past six years by having people run the Twin Cities Marathon and raise money for clean water projects in Africa. So what that means is that we've got a lot of awesome, awesome people here from Awaken, who most of whom would say that they are not runners, but they take on this huge challenge and make this big sacrifice and is bringing so much hope and life to people halfway around the world. So that is really awesome. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a bit. Uh, but I, what I want to start by saying is, yes, this team blew up this year. We had 30 people from Awaken run on our team in 2017, and those 30 people raised $44,000 over the course of their training. Yeah. Incredible. And that $44,000 translates to 880 people. 880 people who are living in sub-Saharan Africa who now have clean water, who now have better health, better education, better everything because of something as simple as clean water. So, Awaken Community Church, you did that, way to go. Uh, the second thing, the second way that I am connected to Awaken, this really cool way, is that my husband is Dan Lucas, who some of you may remember was the church planter in residence here earlier this year. And so we spent six months here planning and preparing to plant the first Awaken Parish over on the east side of town. And I am happy to report that we are planted and we are growing. Yes. Uh, we've been meeting now weekly for the past two months at the Maplewood Community Center. And guys, something truly beautiful is happening in that community. And... Um, if you're ever on that side of town, if you're finding your, yourself there on a Sunday, we encourage, we'd love to see you there, to have you join us. Or if you've got friends on the east side of town, please extend a warm invitation to them. We'd love to have them join us as well. So, obviously, some really awesome things are happening here at Awaken because of all of you. And I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's just so much great stuff going on, and the, rest, the best is really yet to come, though. So, Way to go. Um, another really cool thing that's been happening here is this cool series that you're in right now called Eat This Book that's following the narrative lectionary. And if you're new, you might be like, well, what's that? What's a narrative lectionary? And to kind of put it in plain terms, I guess I would say that it's kind of like a Bible reading plan. Okay, so it's like a four-year cycle, and every Sunday from September to May, you're reading a new piece of the scripture. Um, it's kind of following the sweep of the biblical story from creation all the way to the earliest times of the Christian church. And it does a really nice job of, of kind of covering the breadth and the variety of all the different voices in Scripture. And so you guys have already heard from Jacob and Moses, um, Daniel and Samuel. And today we're going to dive into the story of Amos, who was a prophet 
to the Israelites. Uh, Amos was a minor prophet, so uh, that, it's not to say that he was any less than or not as important as the major prophets. Uh, minor prophet doesn't mean that they were less inspired than like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Daniel. Really, for whatever it's worth, minor versus major just has more to do with like the size of the book and the scope of what they're talking about, whether it be very broad or more narrow. Uh, um, and what we're going to see as we take a glimpse at Amos this morning is that really there's nothing minor about this guy or what he has to say. Um, his message is kind of in your face. Uh, he's pretty straightforward, uh, maybe even a little harsh. What we're going to see is that he's railing pretty hard against Israel. So we're going to take a look at the passage, um, Amos chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and 21 through 24, and it says this, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. And then God says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals, your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you, though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Would you pray with me now? God, <clears throat> we are here today uh, for varying reasons. Um, but hopefully one of those reasons for all of us is that we're looking for you or we've realized that we need you. Uh, we're seeking good. And we have come to hope or believe that you are the source of good. So God, would you help us this morning? Would you help us to be open, to be humble, to posture ourselves at your feet where we can learn? God, give us eyes to hear, and eyes to see and ears to hear, and hearts willing to receive your word. For us here today. Guide us faithfully and with mercy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's because of passages like this one from Amos, um, there was a period of my life that I just kind of decided I wasn't going to read the Old Testament anymore. And I wasn't going to read most of the New Testament either, and I was not going to read any Christian authors, whether they were new or old. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, sometimes when you read the Old Testament or some of Paul's writings from the New Testament or some of the varying perspectives of different authors, you can kind of get confused, or at least I did. Um, when I would encounter this seemingly angry, judgmental God that we kind of see in this passage from Amos and some other Old Testament books, I didn't know how that aligned with the God that we all really, really like, you know, the God that's full of love and mercy and forgiveness and patience. And so for a long time, I decided that on a daily basis, I was just going to read from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The, the first-hand accounts of when God came in the flesh to be with us, when Jesus walked on the earth. 
Because I figured that if Jesus really is the visible image of the invisible God, then I just want to spend some time staring at him. I just want to focus on him, and then maybe the rest of everything else will make sense. And I figured maybe through this I'd figure out what it really meant to love. How to love God and how to love others, and whose image am I created in? And how am I called to live as one of his children? And so I'm really glad I did that. I'm really glad that I spent so much time just focusing on Jesus because now I can begin to make sense of some of the rest of this. Um, because here we've got this prophet who's essentially saying to God's people, he's not happy with you. He's not happy with the way that you've been practicing your faith. You see, at the time that Amos was prophesying, Israel was in a really, really good place. They were feeling strong and prosperous. They had great wealth and power. They hadn't seen this type of wealth or prosperity since the reign of Solomon 200 years prior. So they're feeling like things are really good. We're strong, we're comfortable, we're safe. And they're probably thinking one of two things. They're, they could be thinking, who needs God? We're good. Or they're thinking, well, clearly we must be doing something right. God is blessing us. He's really showing us all this favor. All of their ancient tweets and Facebook posts are like, hashtag blessed. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I go to church, and I bring my tithes and offerings. Sometimes I even go to church at, uh, twice on, like, Christmas, and I sing all the songs, I do all the things. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here, right? God clearly likes it. But what we hear is that God is saying, no. I hate your religious festivals and your assemblies, your gatherings. I will not accept your burnt offerings or your grain offerings. I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Throughout the rest of the book, what we see is warnings of coming judgment and even destruction for Israel. Indeed, God is not happy with the Israelites. Their blessing and wealth is not an indication or a sign of blessing, but rather an indication that their hearts have turned from God. Maybe this explains how it is that God can tell Israel that he hates or despises or disregards all these things when it was God who told them to do them in the first place. And if we said it differently, it's just that if we're just going through the motions of our offerings and our gatherings, or we're doing it with the wrong motives, we don't have the right things in our hearts, that's not what God's after. So let's ask ourselves right now, in what ways are we just going through the motions? Or are we doing these things out of guilt or duty or responsibility? What motivates your religious or spiritual practices? Is it self-seeking? Are you just doing it because you should or you're supposed to? Is it prompted by self-righteousness, perhaps? Because in the end, what motivates our actions is really our intentions. 
And I think that's what God really cares about. I think he cares to be, or is interested in, our intentions the most. And not only our intentions, but then what our actions and our intentions produce in the world. So let's ask ourselves that question. What is being produced by our belief or our spiritual practices? What good is coming of it? Our religion or our spiritual life, I believe, when it is vibrant and real, is going to produce a more whole and a more just world. God says in this passage, let justice roll down like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. What does justice look like in our world? People have enough food. People have enough water. Systems of oppression are made right. The poor and the marginalized are cared for, and they're given a voice when they often don't have one. God wants the wrongs of the world to be made right. Specifically in the book of Amos, he mentions oppression and deprivation of the poor. And Jesus helped me make sense of all of this when he talks of the final judgment in Matthew 25. He says, in the final judgment, all of the nations will be gathered together in his presence and he will separate people. He's going to judge them and separate them like a shepherd would uh, separate the sheep from the goats. And he doesn't say to them, to all of you who went to church and got there on time and showed up and gave your offerings and sang all your songs, you're in and the rest of you are out. He doesn't say that. Jesus says, those who are blessed by my Father and who will inherit the kingdom are those for whom, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And all the people said, well, Jesus, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or naked or, or a stranger or sick or in prison? And he said simply, whenever you did it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Whenever our hearts are turned towards meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters who are struggling wherever they may be, they are tuned in to God. And then justice will roll on like a river and righteousness like a mighty stream. Whenever I hear that last line, I can't help but hear the words of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King quoted this verse from Amos frequently and probably most famous, famously in his I Have a Dream speech, where he said, no, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls on like a river and we will not be satisfied until righteousness like a mighty, mighty stream. 
We are reminded by Amos that God has a dream. That God will not be satisfied until there is justice pouring out of our hearts. Because when there is justice pouring out of our hearts, it's being poured out for him. We here at Awaken, as children of God, our mission is to partner with him in the renewal of all things, in the restoration of all things, in making wrong the rights, making right the wrongs. There we go, making right the wrongs. That's why we're engaging with organizations like Sheridan Story, who are providing for children in schools who experience food insecurity on the weekends. That's why we partner with people like uh, Joseph's Coat, who are, uh, it's a free store and a community support organization for low-income people. Uh, that's why Awaken is partnering with several organizations that are helping refugees. That's why we partner with Team World Vision to run marathons and bring children clean water. And that's why I've brought some very, very special guests here with me today. Um, I've got some friends here with me today that I'd like to introduce to you who are a very, very long way from home. Um, they are some people who are experiencing and benefiting from some of the wrongs in their community being made right by uh, God's people. So, friends, won't you join me? You come here. This is my sponsor child from Kenya. His name is Daniel. And over here is his mama, Egla, and my colleague from World Vision Kenya, Shadrach. Would you welcome them, please? First, guys, I want, to, um, I want you to understand how very, very special this moment is. Um, Daniel is among some of the very first children to have ever left their home to come and be with us in the United States. Um, a few times a year, there will be about 10, maybe 20 of us from the Twin Cities that will go and visit their sponsor children in Africa um, and see the work that's being done by World Vision, but never have we had this opportunity to have him come and share with all of you and see all of you. So this is a very unique, special opportunity that's happening at our church right here, right now. Um, I've been sponsoring Daniel for a few years now, and we met for the first time at his home um, in Bartabwa, and that was back in 2015. Daniel, do you remember that first time that we met? Yes. Yes. And what did we do that first time that we met? What did we play? Playing football. Yes, we played football. We played a lot of football. This guy can play football all day. I can run marathons, but he wore me out. Uh, who, who's a better football player, me or you? Me. He's right. He is. How old are you, Daniel? Ten years old. He's ten years old. And what grade are you in in school? Grade four. Grade four. He's in fourth grade, and he's just beginning to learn English, so that's pretty good. Um, can you can you uh, count for us in English? One, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Awesome. Let's give him some applause for that. Well done. Now, Daniel was just a baby when World Vision first came to his community in Bartabwa uh, nine years ago. But Egla, you have lived in Bartabwa for 20 years, and you've seen and experienced a lot. Um, would you be willing to share with everybody uh, maybe a little bit of what your community has struggled with throughout the years? Yes. Thank you. Before I, I say anything, may I greet you in Jesus' name? Yeah. I love Jesus as my personal savior. He has saved me. So about my community, before the coming of World Vision, uh, we had so many problems pertaining water. By then, we used to walk six kilometers looking for water. But we thank God very much because of World Vision. When they came in, they they, they, they gave us, they provide us with water, they make bowls where we can get easily our water. At first, we used to walk six kilometers from our homes looking for water, but now we, are, we can walk two kilometers to get our water, of which it is uh, great, and we thank Team World Vision for their support. They have really time for Africa, especially Kenya, in Bartabwa. We thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And may God bless you so much. Thank you, Agla. Agla shares about how clean water has improved their community so much um, and enhanced their lives. Um, but really, clean water is just the beginning. Uh, water changes everything because when communities and children have access to clean water, they don't have to spend such a long time walking for water. Sometimes up to four or more hours a day they can spend walking, so now they can go to school instead of walking for water. And they can go to school because they're not ill uh, because of the dirty water that they'd have to consume. And now we can talk about so many other enhancements that they can make to the community, and, Shadrach, you're really the expert at all of this. Shadrach is the um, project coordinator at the Bartabwa ADP Area Development Program office in Bartabwa. Can you share with us a little bit about your work and what you're doing there? Thank you so much, Sinead. Uh, my name is Shadrach, and I work for World Vision Kenya as a project coordinator in Bartabwa. Part of what I do is to ensure that we provide access to clean water to as many people as possible, to as many children as possible in Bartabwa, including Daniel. And apart from that, I also have a role to play in coordinating issues of sponsorship in Bartabwa, delivering the letters that we receive from sponsors to the children, ensuring that there is that communication between the sponsors and the sponsored children in Bartabwa. So, uh, what we are doing basically in Batabwa is much so to do about water, providing clean and safe water to the children and the communities, 
But apart from providing clean water, we also have other things to do because we are focusing on other many aspects, including education, where we are providing uh, improvement of classrooms, ensuring that children do not uh, study in a dusty floors in schools. We are putting cement floors. We are providing them with desks and chairs where they can sit and learn comfortably. We are also improving uh, on the playing equipment in the school so that children can also have time to play and interact with other children after studying. That's on education. When you go to health, a major issue in Bartabwa is that uh, many women, mothers, are still delivering outside the hospitals. And our big role is to encourage, to make sure that all mothers get the services of a skilled a trained doctor or a nurse to support them in deliveries. We also focus on issues of uh, nutrition for the children and also immunization so that we ensure all children have to celebrate their fifth birthday because it is a great challenge to see children in Kenya seeing their fifth birthday. So our hope is to see that all children are able to be delivered in, in hospitals and they're able to be taken care of until they are past five years and even beyond. We are also focusing on issues to do with food security. We want to ensure that uh, people have adequate food to provide food for their children, for their family members, at least three meals in a day, which to us in Africa, many homes do not afford, do not have food, do not afford to have the luxury of having three meals in a day. So we are teaching them, training them, supporting them. Apart from having clean water, we are also ensuring that they also use the little water they have to put up some kitchen gardens in their homes so that they can grow some vegetables and other fruit trees and other things so that it can support them to get food. Thank you so much. Um, what's amazing about my colleague Shadrach is not only his, um, the leadership of his office and the depth of knowledge that he has about all the work that's being done in these communities so much, um, but he loves these children. And, and the way that he speaks to them and cares for them is just so clear. And I asked him, I said, what is your favorite part of your job or what do you dream about um, with your job? First of all, before I answer Shinid's question, I just want to let you know that these are real children and they are children with dreams and hopes in their lives. And now the greatest part of my job is seeing children getting attached to sponsors, connecting so that they can have someone to encourage them, to give them hope in life and to make sure that they are communicating and uh, uplifting the life of that child and even the lives of the sponsor to make sure transformation in re is realized in both sides. Thank you. So Shadrach has a dream. We know God has a dream. Daniel, you have a dream. What do you want to do when you grow up? Engineer. Engineer. He wants to be an engineer. Um, and I believe that you will become an engineer one day, and I believe he can become whatever he wants to be. And, and one reason is because he's 
very smart. Um, we've, we've experienced a little bit of his English, and he can understand a little bit, but he can read English so well. We went to the aquarium the other day, and he would just point out words and say them to me, and I was just amazed at how much he knew. Um, but I'm also encouraged, and I believe he will accomplish anything because um, of the work that World Vision is doing in his community and the hope that they're providing and the opportunities they are providing for him. Um, but like Shadrach said, the way that we accomplish this is through child sponsorship. And... Um, the reason I brought Daniel here to, for all of you today is so that you could see and experience that these are real children. And these are real people with real struggles that we can do something about. Um, and, and so today I want you to consider inviting one of these children into your family. Uh, my husband and I sponsor seven children now and there's just no limit to the love that they have, the love that we can have for one another. Um, and, and, and we just really believe that there's no child on earth who should ever have to worry about whether they're going to have enough water or food. It doesn't matter whether they're our own children, our next-door neighbors, or children halfway around the world. So um, I want to challenge you today. Um, we're going to spend a few moments in silence here and I want you to consider um, inviting one of these children to be a part of your family, to enrich your lives and enrich their lives as well. And then right after the service today, we have a table back in the lobby that you can come and check out some children, their faces and their names, and we can connect you with them here today. So thank you all so much for being here with us today. Let's give them another round of applause, and then we'll spend a little time in silence. Brothers and sisters of Awaken Community Church, we stand here as two mamas and we pray for blessing over you. And we pray that your hearts would be so full of God's love that whenever you see him hungry or thirsty or naked or sick, that justice would pour out of your hearts like a mighty river, that righteousness would pour out like a mighty stream. We love you. Go in grace and peace. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community. Or on Twitter, Awaken Community. See you next time.